0: Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. ...times. Uh, We're in our new series called Wisdom Works, and how are we doing today? we Are doing okay? Yeah, good. It's good to be in church together. It's good to be with you. It's good to see you, and if you're here for the first time, well, we give you a massively warm welcome. Who, um, over the next six weeks, just out of interest, who's got a holiday plan? Just chuck your hands up if you've got a holiday plan. Yeah, good lots of people've got holiday plans over the summer season and you know what I'm believing for over the summer season that it's not going to be a time where people step away from god but it's actually going to be a time where people step into god i've found that holidays and and times where i just get chance to have a bit of a break from normal life and the the rhythm of life it gives me an opportunity to actually hear from god even better and i just want to encourage you when you get away as you have a little bit more time to spend with god then why don't you just take a few seconds say, hey God, speak to me afresh again. Speak to me new, because I'm believing that as we run up to Christmas this year, we're going to see more people come to know Jesus than ever before. Is anybody with me on that? Yeah? Come on, we can try better. Wow, we, we're a bit tired this morning. Let's try it again. Does anyone believe me with that? Yeah, we're believing for that. Come on, let's, let's clap God for a second. Come on, there's some life in this room. <laughs> today. So this new series called Wisdom Works, what we're going to be doing over the six weeks of summer, we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs. We're going to be looking at some of the principles of God, some of the principles of the Bible written by this man called King Solomon. See, one of the things I love to do is read, and the book of Proverbs throughout my life is guided me and it's led me in life's toughest moments. It's given me wisdom to navigate the storms and even the successes of life. And it's helped me to be disciplined in regard to my life and the way that I live. As you read through, uh, through secular books and non-Christian books, what you find very often is on books about leadership or books about culture or even books about motivating yourself. What you find a lot is most of the wisdom that comes from those books is actually originates in the book of Proverbs. I've read so many things where an author is trying to tell me that this is their new idea. I'm like, no, no, that's from the Bible a few thousand years ago and you've just rebadged it. See, this book of Proverbs is full of just such a wealth of wisdom. And we've spoken about the promises of God. And now we want to speak about some of the principles of God in these next few weeks. See, Proverbs found in the Old Testament, and as I said, written by King Solomon, who he was the son of one of the greatest kings to ever have lived uh, over Israel, King David. Who's heard of King David? Yeah, a lot of us hopefully have heard of King David. If not, that's cool. But in 1 Kings 4.30 we see that Solomon's wisdom was greater than all of the people of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. Now, basically, what the Bible is telling us is this, that Solomon was the most wise man of his day. See, kings and queens sought him out. They traveled for days, weeks, and months just to come and sit under this man's wisdom because he was so wise. It's been said that Solomon was the wisest man to ever live. I mean, that's some, uh, you know, that's some tagline, isn't it, to, to precede you when you go into a meeting, the wisest man to ever live. And he's left us with this wealth of wisdom in the book of God-inspired wisdom in Proverbs. See, one of the things I love about books is that they give you an insight into someone's life. They give you an insight into what someone has lived, the way they've lived, how they've lived. They say that A book contains about 2,000 days worth of experience. So when you're reading a book about someone, when you're reading a book about, you know, maybe a principle that someone's lived or a principle that someone's learned, you are essentially taking on 2,000 days of wisdom. And what I love about the Bible is it gives us a look under the hood at Solomon. Because in 2 Chronicles 1, Solomon had become king. But Um, Just before that, we back up, and David anoints his son Solomon. He says, my son Solomon is untested. Now, this guy is about to take on a huge kingdom, a kingdom of millions of people. He's going to take on a big project. And David, he says, look, bear with him. He's called by God, but hey, he's untested. And listen, what we see next is so powerful And I want to look at here. See, he has this huge task, not only to lead these people, but his his, uh, father, David, has also passed on to him the task of building the temple. Building a temple that would actually physically house God's presence. See, today, because of Jesus, we are the temple of God. We get to house God's presence in us. That's amazing, isn't it? But you see, in the Old Testament, before Jesus, God's presence needed a physical place to rest. And before this, God's presence was in the tabernacle, which was basically a tent. A a pretty fancy tent, but it was a tent which would move around with the people of Israel. But now they had their home, and Solomon is tasked with building God's home on earth. And his dad, David, says, my son Solomon's young and untested. In 2 Chronicles 1, Solomon's first act of leadership that we see is to lead the people in prayer, worship, and in the midst of this, they brought this huge offering to God, a massive offering to God. And that night, God appeared to Solomon. And hear this. I mean, this, this would be a nice thing for God to say to you. He says, God said to Solomon, he said, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? Now, bear in mind, Solomon was 20 years old. This is a 20 year old kid right now. He's just become the, you know, the king of one of the most powerful nations on earth. And God comes to him and says, what do you want from me? I mean, if this was me when I was 20, I'd be like, well, thanks for the question, God. I've been, got my eye on this Ferrari that's been up on my wall since I was 10 years old. Can I have the Ferrari? No, no, no Ferrari. Maybe an Audi. (laughs) Or maybe I'd ask the question, like, God, make me irresistible to women. (laughs) Obviously, that's one that Nathan has asked God, and God granted that. You know, may, you know, may God give me all the money in the on the earth. You know, these are things that a twenty-year-old kid would ask. Anyone remember when they were twenty? Yeah, you know, this is the kind of thing. You know, God, maybe just that new set of golf clubs. That that's where most twenty-year-olds were at. Usual twenty-year-olds old things. But Solomon's heart. And his response reveals where he's at. Don't you know that the words you speak reveal your heart? You know if you're always speaking negativity? You know if you're always speaking hopelessness? You know if you're always speaking bitterness and gossip? That reveals your heart. And Solomon's words here, Solomon's response to God, it reveals his heart. And Solomon stood in this room with God there. And God's asking him, what do you want? And Solomon's response is inexplicable. This man who his dad said was young and tested, he responds with this in 2 Chronicles 1, verse 8 to 10. He says, you have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Just a quick note there. You know, it's God who promotes and demotes. And I know we've had a a lot of change in our political landscape this week, and I'm not about to tell you what I think about that, but what I am about to tell you is this, is that I'm going to pray for Boris Johnson. I'm going to believe that God's going to help him. I believe that God's going to help our government lead our nation into, uh, into a new day. I want to pray for Boris Johnson. It goes on. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father be confirmed. For you have made me king over people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? This is amazing for me. Solomon forgoes asking for riches. He forgoes asking for victory over his enemies. And he asks for wisdom and knowledge. Now, if you know a 20-year-old, you know that this is groundbreaking, this young man has the wherewithal not only to honour God but to ask God for wisdom. See Solomon understood that riches fade or an enemy's go or what we might call storms, they leave us but wisdom from God will last a lifetime. See Solomon understood that no matter what he went through, wisdom given by God would never fade. So you can have nothing and just have wisdom and you can be winning. And Solomon knew that with the wisdom of God, without the wisdom of God, he would fall flat on his face. See, I wonder if this is where we get our prayer life so wrong at times that we ask God for the temporary rather than the eternal. We chase after riches, the new house, the car, the holiday or the promotion and we forget to ask God for wisdom. See, all these things are temporary. There's nothing wrong with the car or the house or the holiday. I'm going to do all three of those things this year. But you know what? I want to chase the eternal more than I chase that which is temporary. See, when you seek wisdom, when you become wise, when you learn the ways of God, your life transcends the material things of this this world. And now let's look at God's response because this is, just as amazing as Solomon's. 2 Chronicles 1 verse 11 to 12 says this, God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire and you haven't asked for wealth, possessions or honour, nor for the death of your enemies, and since you ha- have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you. And hear this, And I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had, and none after you will have. See, this is the paradox of the kingdom of God. Because Solomon had desired the wisdom and knowledge of God rather than riches, God then says, Hey, because you desire me first, because you desire my counsel first, I'm going to give you all the other stuff anyway. See, God's looking for hearts that he can trust. God honors the heart that he can trust, the heart that will seek him first. And in this moment, this is where Solomon was. Now, a quick side note, this is not where Solomon stayed throughout his life, and some people will know that. But that's a different story for a different day. And in this moment, Solomon's heart desired God first. He knew that without the wisdom of God, it was impossible for him to lead this people. He knew without the wisdom of God, it was going to be impossible for him to build the temple. He knew he couldn't do it on his own. I want to ask you this morning, what's your deepest desire? Are you looking for what's temporary? Do you crave what's temporary? Maybe so you can impress those Instagram followers or those Facebook friends, or you can show that school friend who said you'd never amount to anything. Or do you want what lasts forever? See, because money will be of no use when your relationship fails. Mm -hmm. That nice car won't save you from that trap set by the unscrupulous colleague. The huge house won't navigate you through your toughest season, but the wisdom of God will. It's time for us as the church to desire the wisdom of God, to chase after it, to pursue it like Solomon. Now, I'm sure some of you are sat here today and you're thinking, what even is wisdom? I kind of know the word. I kind of know what you're talking about, but maybe I don't understand the definition as much. And the dictionary, dictionary defines wisdom as this. The quality of having experienced knowledge and good judgment. The quality of being wise. And, and this is good, But this isn't exactly what we're talking about throughout this series. See I need to bring a distinction here between human wisdom and the wisdom of God. Now I know at times that we can feel really wise that we're an expert on certain things and we can debate and discuss and that is all good. But we need to know that our wisdom is really not that great. I mean if you think about how much trouble human wisdom has gotten us into over the years, politically, military-wise. If you think about where human wisdom has got us into scientifically, you just have to look at what uh, scientists say at times in in regard to diet. One day, if you have a coffee every day, you're going to die. The next day, if you don't have a coffee every day, you're going to die. You know, one day, the, the earth's been here for a few thousand years. The next day, the earth's been here for 50 billion years or whatever it may be. Human wisdom's okay, but human wisdom's like you and me. Flawed, temporary, subject to change. See, the wisdom of the world seems to be forever changing. See, while the wisdom of people is good, the wisdom of God is better. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 25 says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Now, I think the Bible is using hyperbole here because really God is never foolish and God's never weak. But the Bible is using this language to show us that even in God's most stupid moment, which he never is, he is far more wise than us. See, God's our creator. He is outside of time. He's incomprehensible. He's unfathomable. He is so far beyond us that we can't even comprehend how far that is. God knows us completely. He understands everything. He sees everything. He is everywhere all the time. And the wisdom of God reflects the character of God. It's perfect. It does not change. It's set in stone. Today, I want us to look at Proverbs 1 for the foundation of this series on how to start this wisdom journey, how to pursue the wisdom of God, how to desire the wisdom of God, and hopefully how we can attain the wisdom of God. In Proverbs 1 verse 28 to 30, I believe we're given the equation for the wisdom of God. It goes like this, it says, no matter how hard you look, you won't find me. And this is written from Solomon's character called Lady Wisdom. So in effect, Solomon's saying this is wisdom speaking to us. So no matter how hard you look, you won't find me because you hated knowledge and had nothing to do with the fear of God because you wouldn't take my advice and brushed aside all my offers to train you. That's written by wisdom. So wisdom says, first of all, it says this, no matter how hard you look, you won't find me because you hated knowledge. See, knowledge is key in wisdom. As we saw from the, the um, dictionary's definition of wisdom, knowledge is key, but that isn't all that wisdom is. The world would say that wisdom is knowledge, that it's experience, that it's attained by reading and studying. While this is true, this is only a part of godly wisdom, as we see next. It says, wisdom says, you won't find me because you had nothing to do with the fear of Of God. See, the fear of God is key to wisdom. Now, I don't want you to misinterpret this this morning and think you have to be scared of God or that, or I have to be in fear and trembling before God the whole time. The fear of God is not talking about being scared of God because we know we're supposed to be a friend of God. But when we talk about the fear of God, it's talking about a reverence. It's talking about an honouring. It's talking about an understanding that God is in control, that God is in charge, that his way is best. See, we live in a world today that is beginning to stop acknowledging absolutes. So there's no absolutes and I'm God because I choose what's right, I choose what's wrong, I choose what's good and I choose what's bad. My truth is all that matters. Your truth, you can have your truth, and I'll have my truth, and that's okay. In effect, what you're saying is, I'm God, because you're you're choosing what is right, you're choosing what's wrong, you're choosing what's good, and what is bad. I want to say this morning, that right and wrong do exist. That there's a standard we're called to live by, that there are absolutes in this world, and that they are set by God. See, fear of God comes from a place that acknowledges that God's way is the best, that he has the final say in our lives, that he is first, and this is vital in wisdom. Fear of God comes from a point of saying, God, you are the Lord of my life. You're the Lord of my life. And the final component of biblical wisdom, it says, wisdom says you won't find me because you wouldn't take my advice and brushed aside all my offers to train you. See, for me, this represents revelation. Revelation comes from speaking to God, searching for him, the the scriptures, from spending time with him, from being with him, from walking with him and talking to him, asking him what there is to learn when you're going through a storm, asking him what you can do better when you fail, leaning on him for direction and guiding. Revelation is hearing from God feeling him leading you in your life. I want to tell you today, every single person in this place, God is trying to speak to you right now. In your life right now, God has got a word for you. And to some people, he's even shouting. He says, look, just come and speak to me. Come and hear what I'm trying to say. That's revelation. So here's the equation for biblical wisdom, for godly wisdom. I believe it's this, wisdom equals knowledge, plus fear of God, plus revelation. I hope you can see now that our wisdom is okay. Human wisdom is okay. But the wisdom of God is far greater. See, I I pray we get a revelation of this. I pray we understand the heart of this. You know, who's heard of Warren Buffett in this room? Warren Buffett, I'll tell you about him if not. He's the... Probably the greatest investor to have ever lived. And um, someone paid last year, someone paid $4.6 million just to have two hours of, with, of dinner with Warren Buffett. I hope Warren Buffett paid for dinner. <laughs> $4.6 million just to spend dinner with Warren Buffett. But here's the crazy thing. If Warren Buffett was here today, we'd be clamoring to talk to him. We'd be clamoring to speak to him. If he put a seminar in, on in Mansfield, seats would be sold out in a second. But we get chance to know the God who made Warren Buffett. We get chance to speak to the God who is far greater than Warren Buffett or far greater than that person you hold high in your life, that person that you look to. We, we know the God who created all of it. And here's the thing we so much miss an opportunity as Christians at times because we don't listen to God. God wants to speak to us. See, we can have a personal seminar each day with the God of heaven and earth. We can hear his heart, on earth his secrets as we chase after him. And this is where wisdom starts. On our knees. Proverbs one verse seven says: Start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. See, wisdom is found. Wisdom starts on our knees as we submit to God, as we give all of us to Him, as we acknowledge His rule and His reign, as we ask Him to reveal Himself, this is where the wisdom of God is passed on. This is where we take on the character of God. This is where we unburden ourselves as we give all of our rubbish to Jesus. This is where we unload onto Jesus and say, God, I give it all to you. See, the starting place for real wisdom, for godly wisdom, for wisdom that lasts a lifetime is going to God. It all starts with God. See, I believe if I want to live an effective life, it will start with God. This is why each day I've committed to spending time with God, reading his words, speaking to him, spending time with him, letting him speak to me so I can learn from him, so I can petition of him, so I can encounter him. And this is where wisdom is passed on when I'm on my knees, asking him to reveal himself to me, asking him to guide me through the moments of my life. There are people in here today, you're looking for questions to answers that you don't have at the moment about your family or your business or your health. And you've gone everywhere apart from God. If you want to navigate your moment, go to God first. I honestly believe as Christians that we have an unfair advantage in our lives because we have the revelation of the Holy Spirit. We can tap in to the God who knows everything. We can tap in to the God who knows every situation, every circumstance. We can tap in to the God who knows us inside out and we can speak to Him each day. It's an unfair advantage if you think about it, guys. But how often do we miss this? If only we'd listen to His voice the most. If only we would go to God first. So it says here that the first step is bowing down to God. And for me, this is so important because when we bow to anybody, what we're saying, we're saying, you are greater than I am. You know, it's a bit of a a a joke in football stands where they go, we're not worthy, you know, when a player is so good. But the reality is that's what we're doing. We're saying, God, we aren't worthy. God, you are so much better than we are. God, you are so much greater than we are. When we come to our knees, that's what we're saying. See, and this is where true wisdom starts. I've never met anybody who I would class as a wise person who's always clambering to tell you how wise they are. I found that the wiser you become, the more you realise how much you need God, how much you need his leading, how much you aren't equipped to face the challenges of this life, that you need support. And this is the posture of true wisdom on our knees. I hope it's apparent so far that the pursuit of wisdom isn't just passive, that it's a pursuit. We see in Proverbs one twenty-two that wisdom is found by those who seek it. It says this, look, I'm ready to pour out my spirit on you. This is wisdom speaking again. I'm ready to tell you all I know. As it is, I've called, but you've turned a deaf ear. I've reached out to you, but you've ignored me see wisdom is saying i'm ready to speak to you i'm ready to give you wisdom but you haven't listened i want to tell you all i know but you've turned a deaf ear seldom do people become wise by just letting life pass them by by just letting it happen by just going through life and I've become wise and that's it see throughout the bible throughout proverbs we're encouraged to chase wisdom Proverbs 4 verse 7 says, The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Hear this, though it costs you all you have, get understanding. This language is is so emotive, isn't it? Though it costs you all you have. Wow. See, that's a strong statement because our world's infatuated by spending all we have, or maybe even more than we have, on things that make us look wise, or another way to say it, things that make us look successful, like we have it all together. But the encouragement of one of the wealthiest man, men to ever live, the wisest man to ever live is this. Sell all you have. Whatever it costs you, get wisdom. Whatever it costs you, get understanding. See, Solomon, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, is showing us, What's key to success in this life? Not the possessions that are temporary, but the wisdom of God that lasts a lifetime. See, and here's the thing. You can lose possessions, but no one can take away your wisdom. If your business fails, you can build a new one with the the wisdom you have. If you lose your job, your understanding will qualify you for a new position. In financial crisis, wisdom will guide you through. Let's pursue wisdom at all costs. See, while the wisdom of God is what we're talking about, it doesn't mean that we can't hear the wisdom of God from other people, godly people. You see, wisdom listens to the right voices. Proverbs 1 verse 8 to 19, as the band come up, it says this. Pay close attention, friends, to what your father tells you. Never forget what you learned at your mother's knee. Wear the council like flowers in your hair, like rings on your fingers. Dear friend, if bad companions tempt you, don't go along with them. If they say, let's go out and raise some help, let's beat up some old man, mug some old woman, let's pick them clean and get them ready for their funerals. We'll load up on top quality loot. We'll haul it home by the truckload. Join us for the time of your life. With us it's share and share alike. Oh friend, Don't give them a second look. Don't listen to them for a minute. They're racing to a very bad end, hurrying to ruin everything they lay hands on. Nobody robs a bank with everybody watching, yet that's what these people are doing. They're doing themselves in. When you grab all you can get, that's what happens. The more you get, the less you are. See, this shows me that the voices that you listen to will dictate the direction and the course of your life. This verse uses the example of a father and mother's teaching, which is so important. But I realize that in this room, there are people whose parents may not have always been the most helpful throughout your life. But I believe that this passage is addressing a bigger issue, that we have to listen to the right voices if you don't feel like you have wise voices in your life, I want to tell you there are wise voices in this church who will love you, direct you, and disciple you if you'll lean into that. All I want to say today, that if you didn't have the best relationships with your parents, there are people in this church, wise people, who will be like a mum and dad to you if you'll take a second to speak to them. See, I'm blessed with wise parents and their advice to this day has kept me from harm. When I've listened, their advice around my conduct, around my finances, around my presentation. But we also have to seek out wise voices in our lives. It has to be wider than that. It has to be bigger than that. And I'm blessed with a number of different voices in my life who have spoke wisdom into it to help me to navigate the moments of this life. So the two examples we have here are the wise mother and father and the crowd of bad companions. And I've realised throughout life that the people I spend the most time around have become like. And I don't like this that much because I like to think I'm a strong character, that I can be in any group and maintain me, but the Bible is clear that that's not the case. In Corinthians it says, Bad company corrupts good character. You know, if you hang around with gossipers, over time, you'll become a gossiper. If you spend most of your time with criminals, over time, you'll become a criminal. If you spend most of your time with liars and cheaters, you get where I'm going with this. There's this saying, that you'll become the average of the five people that you spend most time with. And a famous preacher says, you show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. I want to ask this morning, who is in your circle? Who are the people that you listen to? Who are the voices that hold the most influence in your life? Would you be happy if you became the average of the people you were closest to? See, what I'm not saying here is that you never spend time with people who have issues because we're called to be an influence. That's not the Jesus way. He spent time with and loved all kinds of people, but the people he spent the most time with, were his 12 disciples. And inside of that group, he even had a tighter little group, three, that he spent his time with. In the past, I've heard people say, but Joshua, I'm going to the nightclub to, to be an influence. And I've got no problem with that. But when you're six shots deep and struggling to keep up dinner, I don't think you're being an influence. I think you are being influenced. For you... You might need to separate yourself from the crowd for a while, while you be, where you're being influenced so that over time you can go back into that crowd and be an influence. If you're struggling with a life controlling issue, one of the best ways you can break out of that is by removing yourself from the circle you were in, getting a new circle of people who will encourage you, who will lead you to more, who will help you, who will walk with you, who won't take you, down that bad road. See, some of my most open conversations about God with like, my football friends, it doesn't really happen on a football pitch on a Saturday morning. When it has happened, it has been on nights out. And I've been able to go out on nights out, not because I enjoy it, but because I want to be an influence. And while they're up to their antics, people often come up and just ask why I'm different. Ask why I'm maybe not drunk, ask why maybe I'm not trying to get around with, with certain girls and different things. And we'll have chance to speak about God. They'll open up about their lives, about where they are. See, because I separated myself from the crowd for a while, I can go back in and be an influence. See, the great thing about the rule, if you become the average of the five people you're closest to, is that it also works the other way. So if you begin to surround yourself with people who are better than you, people who are leading the way, people who are loving, people who will push you to more, then as you spend time with these people, you become the average of them as well. And I've seen this throughout my life, that as I've surrounded myself with people that are better than me, I've grown and developed just from listening to the right voices. See, if it wasn't for the circle that I have, I wouldn't be stood here today. But I thank God for the people that he placed around me and also that I had the strength for some time to step away from the wrong circle so that I could be an influence for him. I want to ask you again today, would it be a good thing if you became the average of the five people that you were closest to? Is your circle lifting you up? Is it calling you to more? Is it pushing you on to bigger things? Or are they pulling you down, criticising leading you astray. See, wisdom listens to the right voice. And maybe today, it's time for you to start listening to a different voice. See, I hope after this morning, this introduction to to our new series, that you have a reinvigorated desire to pursue the wisdom of God in your life. I hope you have a reinvigorated desire to get to know the God of this wisdom. I hope you have a reinvigorated desire just to get to know God better. I just ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for a second.